Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Prepare for a scare. It's the Midnight Macabre Podcast. Greetings, my gruesome gremlins, and welcome to tonight's instalment of our Midnight Macabre Halloween series, live from Old Mill Lane. I am your mistress of ceremonies, Laura Lambton, and tonight we're getting you in the mood for the big weekend with a story featuring a Halloween party in the very walls of this mill back in 1985. I'm pleased to report that I'm a lot more prepared to party this evening after a far better sleep last night. So much so that I even had the energy to do a little more research into the Order of the Wolf God that took a leading role in last night's story. Thought to have been founded by outcasts of groups ranging from the infamous German Jägerherren to the Thorium Pentagram and Masonic Brotherhoods with links back as far as Victorian London. Only a single potential group member rumoured to be connected with the disappearances was ever formally named. And that person is Francis Chambers, a local amateur historian, prominent member of the local community and a member of the Board of Governors. Allegations of his involvement in the case of several missing pupils from local schools were initially dismissed out of hand, but local residents began to lose faith with Chambers following his own unexplained disappearance. 
Upon a thorough search of his home, police found personal articles of several of the missing students, along with belongings linked to missing persons cases dating back a further 15 years. Tattered remains of a body rumoured to be that of Chambers were found in dense woodland around 20 miles outside of Bramshire, though no formal identification was ever issued by police. It's thought that having gone into hiding in the wilderness to escape the investigation, the sadistic killer had eventually just succumbed to poor nutrition and exposure before falling victim to scavenging animals. While several items of occult paraphernalia were also found in Chambers' home, no leads to the identity of other cult members were ever uncovered, or at least declared by police. For more on this story, check out the thread on our socials at MN Pod. Returning then to the 1980s and tonight's story, as a young woman prepares for the must-attend local Halloween party, her eccentric grandmother's paranoia about several of the partygoers has her worried that her granddaughter is going to come away feeling worse than a little hungover. Extracted from original diaries from the alleged participants and performed tonight by Jasmine Arch, I give you... The Host of Old Millane. The Saturday before Halloween, I stood by Nan's kitchen window, leaning against the windowsill and surveying her overgrown garden, splashed with blue and crimson all summer, now just a desiccated tangle of weeds. Nan, why don't I come back tomorrow? We could clear the yard, perhaps start some neat flower beds for next year. Flower beds? No thanks. Any idea how long it took to get that vervain thriving? Come on, let's have some garlic soup while we come up with a plan. I walked to the table, carefully avoiding my face staring back at me from twenty-odd gaudy mirror frames out of Nan's collection. I agreed to tea, Nan. Not battle plans. I slipped into my seat and breathed in the heady aroma of Nan's favourite soup. We don't need them. Jasper Kane's a nice guy. He's sponsoring the haunted house we're building inside the mill, you know. Of course he is. It's the perfect trap. Her cool blue gaze met mine across the glossy green melamine. Everyone will walk into it wide-eyed, bleating like the sheep they are. Don't you see? Nan, there's no such thing as vampires. I laid a hand over her wrinkled one. You've got to stop this or they won't let you keep living here by yourself. Would it have made a difference if I'd taken the time to listen to her instead of agonising over the perfect costume? Perhaps. But when she called me later that week and asked if I felt like going to the mill together to help decorate, I thought it had worked. They had finally gotten through to her. As daylight faded on Halloween night, I smiled at my reflection. Liquid eyeliner connected the blackened tip of my nose with my cupid's bow, still gleaming wet. It tickled and I crinkled my eyes as the pressure of a sneeze built up inside my sinuses. With a practiced movement, I applied a thick layer of black lipstick and pressed my lips together. I stepped back. My reflection was a stranger, blue eyes shockingly pale, surrounded by heavy black eyeshadow. Tiny cat ears peeked from a mass of crimped hair. I turned checking the thin tail Nan had helped me sew to the back of my dress. Outside, a car roared up the driveway and blasted its horn. I grabbed a little black purse, slipped on my heels and ran downstairs. A black BMW with tinted windows rumbled impatiently as I walked out my front door. 
I got in the passenger side, sinking into the soft leather seat. Liz. The deep baritone sent goosebumps skittering down my arms. You are beyond tantalizing. I bit back a smile as a blush crept over my cheeks. Hello, Jasper. Jasper's hand was cold at my back, even through the fabric of my dress. He steered me through a maze of spider webs and skeletons towards the door of the old mill, walking so close behind me, the front of his coat brushed against my bare shoulder. A shiver trickled down my spine. It's colder than I thought. I should have brought a jacket. He leaned in and cool air tickled my ear when he spoke. We'll have to see what we can do about that. I turned to meet his gaze. We're almost inside. He flashed a stark white smile and pointed to the entrance, decorated with an oversized wreath of dead leaves and plastic skulls. Oh, right. I nodded. His hand engulfed mine, pulling me along. Inside the mill, faces swirled round, red-cheeked and laughing and loud. I blinked, looking for Jasper. Someone wrapped my fingers around the slim neck of a wine glass and I looked up. A moustached face, jolly but unfamiliar, winked at me and floated away in the crowd. I gulped the wine down. It was decent enough, heady and bold, until a pungent aftertaste hit the back of my tongue and made me shudder. After a few more glasses, I barely noticed the taste, tottering around on two high heels searching for Jasper. I stepped into the corridor. Steep wooden steps, more ladder than stair, led up into the attic. A thin braided rope barred the way up. A pale woman in a skin-tight nurse's outfit stood beside it, holding up a delicate hand. Not yet, sweetie. We'll be sure to let everyone know when the Hall of Horrors opens. Her lips, painted dark red, made her skin and teeth gleam even whiter. Have you seen Jasper Kane? I leaned back against the wall as I stared into her dark eyes. I can't find him. I'll be sure to send him your way. One corner of her mouth edged up into a barely there smile. She pointed back into the main room with its maze of people. Slowly, my feet carried me back into the chaos of braying laughter and shouted conversations. Someone refilled my wine glass, spilling bright red drops across my wrist. I stared as the wine ran down my arm in a glistening trail and splashed onto the toe of my shoes. Hands grabbed my shoulders, digging in and squeezing until I gasped. Lizzie, God damn it! Nan's voice, lower to a hoarse whisper, pierced the wine haze. Nan? She looked even tinier beneath a tall cowl of a nun's habit. A rosary swung at her chest in a ponderous rhythm. Her eyes flashed with fury. Where's your necklace? Of all the days to take off your cross. My necklace? Why? I swallowed, mouth dry despite all I'd drunk. I left it at home. It didn't match my outfit and... Never mind. Too late now. She released me, lifted the rosary over her head and pushed it into my hands. I fixed the wine so they probably won't feel like feeding off any of this lot, but I'm not taking any chances with you. I shook my head and the room followed two seconds after every movement. What are you talking about? Your bloody date. That's what. Her words took on a keen edge. Of all the men in town... Above us, a thin scream rent the air. She glanced up. Fucking fiddlesticks. They've begun already. 
Nan! What, you never curse? Here. She fished around in the pockets of her habit and pulled out the keys to her Civic and a bag of rice. The screams grew louder. The ceiling trembled with the thudding of heavy feet against the upstairs floor. Nan folded my fingers round the keys and the bag. Drive to my house, bolt the door, and don't let anyone in before sunrise. Not even me. If someone comes at you, toss a handful of rice at their feet. If they obsessively start counting, they're vamps. But the noise swelled as people all around us began to mill about. You're too drunk to fight. Go! I'll see you in the morning. She turned away and elbowed her way through the crowd towards the door. Before she disappeared from view, she glanced over her shoulder at me. And put on that rosary. I woke up in the dark, nestled on Nan's couch. One of the ears from my costume dug into my cheek and my mouth tasted like I'd licked an ashtray. Rhythmic thumps on the door echoed my pounding skull. Eyes half closed, I shuffled into the hall. Just a second. My fingers found the doorknob. As the heavy oak swung inward, I rubbed grit and kicked on makeup from my eyes. Outside, in a pool of moonlight, stood my Nan cowl slightly askew and a wide toothy smile on her pale face Lizzie sweetling finally Nan? No your great uncle Charlie she rolled her eyes and spread her arms wide of course it's me but you said you wouldn't be back before dawn frowning I crossed my arms she shrugged and shook her head oh that was all a misunderstanding I met your friend Jasper he explained everything. You met Jasper? Charmer, isn't he? She looked like Nan, but the saccharine voice and too bright demeanour belonged to a stranger. So, all sorted now? Precisely, and not a moment too soon. I'm too old for these adventures. Right. I stepped back to let her pass, but she just stood there. Nose wrinkled as if she smelled something dreadful. She watched me with expectant eyes. I pulled up my shoulders and waited, but she didn't move. Well? I asked. Well, what, dear? If you're so tired, why did you stand here knocking instead of just coming in? She blinked, tilting her head to one side as her smile remained fixed in place. After at least ten seconds, she finally spoke. Keys! What? I gave you mine, remember? I was locked out. She made a vague gesture and giggled. My gruff, no-nonsense, self-proclaimed warrior, Nan. Giggling. But the door is open now. I glanced at the collection of mirrors studding the walls. Ten moonlit doorways stared back at me. All empty. As I turned back to her, the smile slid off her face, making way for overacted pleading. Lizzie, please, won't you come out into the moonlight? My hand crept up to my neck, to the rosary I'd taken off and tossed aside. I slammed the door in her face and leaned into it, eyes closed. Lizzie! She tapped the little side window as I slid to the floor. We could have so much fun together.
Just you and me, darling. Go away. Don't make the same mistake I did, sweetling. She chuckled as her footsteps crunched on the gravel, trailing round the house. If I'd known, I'd have done this years ago, before my bum sagged and my breasts shriveled up. She came back to the door, voice lower to a throaty whisper. It's only a matter of time, child. We'll get you sooner or later. I squeezed my eyes shut and gulped. The old clock chimed six times. Almost dawn. I'd be safe for a while. What had she said at the party? Throw rice. The bag she'd given me was nowhere in sight, so I clambered to my feet, dashed into the kitchen, and ripped open random cabinets until I found a tattered box of rice. She'd gone quiet, but she was still out there, in the waning moonlight. Her crunched footsteps circled the house, from one window to the next whispering my name. Breathing in deeply, I opened the door. A gust of wind tugged at my hair. A cruel grin appeared on that cold, white face. Change of heart? I shook my head. I'm sorry. Her gaze narrowed and she stepped back as I tore the lid off the box, scattering its contents across the walk. Gaze glued to the rice grains, her eyes flitted back and forth as she began to count under her breath. If I'd listened, she inched forward, working her way across the grains at her feet at an inhuman speed. The corners of her mouth teased upward. I glanced at the sky, lighter by a fraction, but still a good way from sunrise. I ran back to the kitchen. With the rice all gone, I grabbed a bag of oats. She shrieked in frustration as I emptied it across the threshold. Midnight blue gave way to a paler shade, and she counted more and more frantic as the clock ticked on. I love you, Nan. I watched her features, both familiar and alien, and etched the lines of her face into my memory. The ends of her hair began to smoke as the sky became a riot of pink, grey and lavender, streaked with orange. The murmured counting grew into an anguished moan. The sun crept up, a narrow crescent of red fire. Her skin blistered. Most of the people at the mill woke up with a vicious hangover and the foulest garlic breath you've ever smelled. She'd fixed the wine all right. Jasper and his followers got to a few of the partygoers before her brew did, but thanks to Nan, most of us survived. If only she drank her own concoction. Instead, I watched what was left of Nan combust on her own doorstep. A small pile of ash on her front walk was the only thing left of her to bury. I've been on the hunt for years. Since the day I walked out of the graveyard with Nan's rosary wrapped around my wrist. This is my life now. It's all I have left. Thanks for joining me once again for another horror from Old Mill Lane. All this talk of parties has me thinking about all of your weekend plans out there, so get in touch on the socials and let me know how you'll be celebrating Halloween this year. Hit me up at MN Macabre Pod with your scary movie recommendations, your themed snacks and cocktails, your party invites 
And any of your own plans to seduce and recruit your dates into your own unholy legions. As always, thanks to all of our supporters that make the show and this special week possible. Big shout out to Harper and Sons Media for generously providing the audio mastering on all of our content this week. Until tomorrow then, keep your rice handy and don't go inviting just anyone in. The Halloween Horrors of Old Middle Lane is produced by Hawk and Cleaver and stars Emily Booth. Editing by Carl Hughes and directed by me, Andy Conduit-Turner. Tonight's episode, The Host of Old Mill Lane, was both written and performed by Jasmine Arch. Music by Sergei Cheremisinov, sound effects from freesound.org and zapsplat.com. The entire series is produced under a Creative Commons license, which of course means don't sell it, don't edit it, but you can go ahead and share it as much as you would like. Thanks and join us again next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.